Well, welcome to episode 39 of the podcast. I can't wait for you to hear my interview with my brand new friend, Bobby. He is a lead pastor of Chapel Church in Florence, Alabama. Bobby has led that church through a revitalization project and now is finding creative ways of meeting the growing needs of the community during COVID-19. This episode is sponsored by Thanks. Thanks makes writing postcards and letters faster and easier. Right now, with everybody being media overload, that personal touch of a written note in the mail stands out even more than usual. It's simple, quick, and affordable. You can get 10 free postcards when you go to renewedleadership.org slash postcards. Now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bobby. Well, hey, welcome to another episode of the Pastors Roundtable. I'm your host, Ryan Latham, and I am here with uh, a new friend uh, who I just met uh, last week on a uh, pastor's networking call, and, I, and the things he was sharing, I just said, man, we got to get this out to to uh, you guys, and so I called him up, and uh, here we are, ready to, to, to share a little bit about what they're doing and uh, a little bit of insights as to how they're navigating this unique season uh, of the church, and so uh, Bobby, why don't you just take a little minute here and just share a little bit about your story. I mean, I, I mean you were just in, talking to me a little bit before and just such a unique uh, entry into ministry. And so just share a little bit about your journey. Yeah, man. So uh, grew up in the Bible Belt in Nashville and uh, no church background at all. We were the kids that the neighbors would pick us up and take us to vacation Bible school type thing. Parents didn't go to church. Um, had an encounter with God when I was a teenager. And turned completely away, became an atheist, agnostic, the whole nine yards, and uh, ran off to the military thinking that'd be a, a better start. And man, everything got 10 times worse. Um, got married, had a kid, uh, still had studied Buddhism, Islam, Baha, anything you can think of, I studied trying to find truth. And, and one day I had a like divine encounter with God where I saw a vision of me preaching, even though I didn't believe in God. And literally, not an audible voice, but kept hearing and seeing the term messianic prophecy which I'd never heard before in my life and, and went back home and Googled it on a 56 K modem and heard the whole wind up of the modem and all that good junk. And um, just saw the prophecies uh, that Jesus fulfilled. And, and man, it brought me to a place of, of submission basically with God. I told him whatever he wanted, he could have. And uh, me and my wife packed up, we were in Cleveland, Ohio at the time, packed up, moved to Nashville because that's where I saw the vision of me preaching and basically just started serving in a church. And uh, one day the pastor hired me out of the blue with no background and, Learned by fire, no training, no Bible school, and no uh, no internship program. Just here you go, and um, and learned, and, and then uh, five years ago transitioned here uh, to revitalize this church. Founding pastor, been here 35 years. He was 74 years old, and I was 33. So he pastored longer than I'd been alive, and and it was what I'd call charismania world. So you think the whole Brownsville charismatic stuff. Um, I come from soul winning mega church AG world. And um, so I learned things I didn't know existed and really just focused on trying to bring this church into a kind of a balanced missional spirit filled church. So man, I've been here five years and uh, love it. That's awesome. And uh, thank you for your service uh, to, our, you. to our nation. Uh, why don't you just share a little bit about that? Cause I think that that's uh, not everybody um, has that unique experience Talk about that uh, revitalization. What was that like taking over for someone, um, you know, that had been pastoring longer than you've been alive? Um, you know, what was that process like? Uh, what have you done? What have you learned through that experience? 
Yeah, man. So I think uh, we'd always thought we'd plant a church. Um, so we were part of a church plant, always thought we'd be church planners. Um, and then I I'd had a, a coffee with a friend of mine who had taken over a church and kind of revitalized it. At that point, I felt like people are called to plant churches, but other people are called to revitalize churches. Two different gift sets, but still the same kind of concept. And so really started feeling like that was me. Like I, I really wanted to take something that was uh, dying and, and not a negative context, but something that was on the decline and bring life back to it type thing. And so uh, we felt like that was it. Talked to our pastor and, and kind of put our name out there and a church found us. And uh, I would say that uh, church planning is very hard. Uh, church revitalization may be harder in, in a lot of ways. You don't have the, in, you have money, you have a, a base, um, but the future is less guaranteed with a revitalization that a, and a church plan. And so we came in, you know, 33 years old, thinking everything's going to be awesome and great and trying to maintain this, this relationship with the senior pastor uh, whose family was very ingrained uh, in the church and the church had not really seen any growth in years um, and told him, hey, this thing depends on your relationship and my relationship. The closer we can be, the more transparent we are with one another, the better this thing's going to be. And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And within about four months, I saw that changing and, and dramatically turning. And hey, man, hey, remember, this is about you and our relationship. And it kept on turning. And so that first year, uh, the church is running low fours. And we probably saw, I can count, 175 to 200 people that left the church that wow. year, including the senior pastor. Went down the street to a, a, a church that was a church split from another church. We kind of filled their, their sanctuary up for them. But that same year, no lie, we had 200 salvations and 100 baptisms. Wow, incredible. So, yeah, it was like God just immediately backfilled the church, uh, which sounds great. But as a leader, you have a bunch of new people. Most of them are new converts. They're not leaders. You don't know who to trust. Um, and so we learned a lot in, in that first year. I learned a lot just in, in senior leadership for the first time. And, and transition-wise, I learned um, there's a lot of battlefields that you're fighting on. And that most leaders aren't prepared to fight on those. Like I knew there'd be, you know, organizationally trying to transition the staff and team. I underestimated the spiritual side of things. Mm. Like I, I'm, a, I'm a strategic guy. So I'm thinking strategy and I'm reading this book and that book. And uh, spiritually, there's a lot of undertones that take place. And so um, guys I talk to the transition churches that you're fighting on the spiritual battlefield, the organizational, yeah. the relational, the financial, the vision. Uh, there's so many battlefields and most people pick one or two and try to win that one battle and they lose the other one. So just trying to figure out which one's the fight uh, to win. So, man, it was, it was really bad, uh, like worst case scenario. But once we made it through it, one of my mentors is RT Kendall, uh, who's an author, was a pastor in London, England for years. And the, the next year he came down and preached for me. And I said, man, man, I've just been going through hell. Like this has been hell. And uh, I said, man, we lost by this many people, but, you know, we're back even. And he said, <laughs> he said, thank God. And he's 82 years old. Thank God. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm going through hell. He's like, that's awesome. And I said, what do you mean? He said, when I was at Westminster Chapel, after Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones retired, he took over. He said, those type people stayed in my church for eight years, giving me hell. God did for you in one year what took me eight. Wow. And, and it totally changed my perspective to being not bitter, but frustrated to God bless, God bless you. God bless them. God bless us. Let's just keep on rolling forward. So yeah, transition's hard, but it is, it is worth it in the long run.
Wow, that's that's incredible. Now you guys are in Alabama, correct? Yes. So you're in a very multi-cultural, uh, multi-generational environment. Um, and so what's that, what's that been like as well for you? <laughs> Probably the same story. It's, um, so when I was being interviewed, there was a search firm that found us. Uh, my wife is, is black, so my kids are biracial, four biracial kids. And that's just who we are. Like, we don't think about that. We don't think, you know, we're a mixed couple and this. And, um, and so when they interviewed me, they said, hey, we're in Florence, Alabama. And I said, well, I need you to know my wife is black. Like, and oh, man, that's gonna be awesome. Like, we're a diverse church. And when we get here and it's not a diverse church <laughs> like they're diverse for their perspective so where we're at every church is white church or black church so if there's any black people at the church they think it's diverse um and i remember it was really awkward like at our trial weekend like all the black people were ushers and sat in the back but everybody in leadership everybody on the platform everybody else was white and it was a segregation inside the church and i was like man this is crazy and so uh, I, I know we're called racial reconciliation. And so since then, we just made decisions. We, we've never bought into the decision, hey, let's put African-Americans in, in places so we can draw African-Americans. We just preached a gospel of reconciliation and, and, and just preached uh, hard truth and deep grace. And we started reaching African-Americans by a lot. Um, and, and so much, so I put tension on the black churches that were getting frustrated black people were coming to our church. So actually the school superintendent of our city came and he kind of snuck in and snuck out. And I did a funeral and he was at the funeral. He said, you know, bro, he, and he's an African-American guy. He said, he's like, when I first came to chapel, he was coming. He said, I came because we were losing some members of y'all's church and I was checking it out. He said, I was, I was spying on you. He said, but then I just kept coming and he's, like, I loved it. My wife, our kids loved it. He's like, so I'm still a member of that church. He's like, but I, I love what you guys are doing type thing. And so we, we paid a price. Like we had people leave thinking, oh, are we a black church or are we a white church now? I'm like, well, if you have to ask that question, you're probably at the wrong church. <laughs> like, mm. um, so it's been hard, but it's been a great testimony to our city. Wow. So our city is very divided. And so the fact that there is a diverse, diverse church uh, that's not marketed that way, it's just this is who we are. It's been a great testimony to our, our city as a whole. That's incredible. I love that. I love hearing that. So obviously you're in the same spot as everybody else. Uh, the whole world changed, ministry changed uh, a few weeks ago. So you were, uh, last week when we were talking, you shared some things that you guys have been doing. So um, talk about just some of the maybe prag pragmatic stuff that you've been doing, like on Sunday mornings, throughout the week, uh, obviously online engagement, some of those things that you guys are doing right now. Yeah. So we, um, we first, so we'd always streamed. We didn't stream worship music just because the quality of our streaming was not good. And so we had to quickly adapt, um, make some investments in some, some hardware infrastructure to be able to stream our worship. And so we knew uh, that communication is you have to know your audience. So we knew our people would be in the living rooms on their phones. So we changed our structure. We didn't go to the platform. We started going to people's houses and actually modeling that from other people's living rooms, uh, which I thought went really, really well. Um, and then we started recently really trying to engage more. So we did a digital check-in, which is basically a connect card that just says the toggle box of, Hey, I'm doing great. Love you guys. The next one, how can we better pray for you? How can we better serve you? And so we saw our engagement just quadruple type thing. So people were messaging us, man, thank you so much for caring about us. We love you guys. We don't need anything, but thank you. Um, and it's really helped us 
And then we've done all the other stuff with Zoom parties and Zoom groups, all that stuff. But the biggest thing we've done is just went old school. Everybody's calling our, everybody in our church, sending personal texts out, uh, weekly emails, um, just trying to go old school and just pastor people again, which has been really cool. It's been really good for me. That's great. That's great. Now, on our call, you talked about just because, again, you are multi-generational, multicultural, that you've seen uh, even just how you do online stuff, engagement, um, you've had to maybe do some things different than if you had just one culture, one demographic, you've had to try and do kind of a variety of different types of things to engage uh, the generations and cultures, things like that. You want to share a little bit of what you've learned or what you're trying? Yeah, we've learned that um, that our African-American demographic doesn't like online. They want to be a personal experience. They want to feel connected. And so I had initially, I was trying to, I think the first week I sat down at a, at a table kind of like this and tried to preach sitting down since it was a home kind of a acoustic environment. Um, and then I, I got rid of the table and started preaching again and, and trying to engage a bit more. And we saw our engagement kind of tick up again with that and, and how they were interacting online, uh, which is good. And plus who we have, the style of worship we do. So we actually, we've been doing acoustic worship. We're about to, we made a decision. Um, the sound studios in town, it's a pretty major recording area. They're all in decline because they can't record. So we called, we booked up two days of studio space. We're going to record our worship full band instead of acoustic, get a good video, and we're going to start putting that on our, our live stream instead to help with that. So yeah, it's a, it's a different, so many different types of people. They all respond to different communication styles. So yeah, and learning that on the fly is tough. <laughs> yes, all right, so um, you talked about uh, kind of a unique partnership that you guys have been doing with the school systems there. Uh, you want to share a little bit about what you guys are doing there? Yeah, so um, we have a Dream Center, which is our outreach avenue, uh, which is which one of the reasons we came to this church. They called it Lowe's and Fishes. It was a food pantry on a pretty large scale. They feed 250 families a month in groceries. We've taken that and made that a Dream Center where now we're feeding 1,000 uh, families a month with pretty much almost a month's worth of groceries. And it's, it's produce, meat. And we recently made an investment in a new facility where so the, the way it works is they apply for, for help. They get counseled with, prayer, the gospel shared, et cetera. And then they get a, a voucher and they go next door and we have a boutique grocery store. So they actually shop for their own stuff. So instead of giving a handout, we're trying to give a hand kind of up. And so they get their groceries, just like Publix, we bag it, we take it to the car for them. And so that is the bridge. So um, with that, we're still feeding a thousand plus families a month, um, but for county schools, we're doing grab and go boxes. So we're, we're building boxes that have breakfast cereals, breakfast bars, sandwich stuff, real quick meals like macaroni and cheese, stuff like that, that county students can come and pick up and take home. So we do that twice a week. And then we have a connection with the city schools where our Dream Center does the food distribution. We do circles. Circles is a program that's designed to move people out of poverty. So mm -hmm. if they're getting help with food and, and they want to get help to move out of poverty, we give them the 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 benefit of saying we'll give you more food more often and better food, which includes steaks, ribs, all types of meat, but you have to go through circles. So circles is a kind of a holistic discipleship. Like it teaches them job skills, vision boarding, um, interviewing skills, budgeting skills, family skills. And so we're trying to move them and we, and we give them these promises of we'll move you to like 125% above poverty. So that way you're not going to fall back into it. And then we do Dream Center Academy. So Dream Center Academy is focused 
on fifth and sixth grade students that are Title I, which is the poorest of the poor. And so we, we take them, there's 20 of them. We have a relationship with our college in town where they send education students to intern to tutor those students with the curriculum from the school. And there's um, social work interns that then do behavioral training. So every day they would get tutoring with their curriculum, with what they're learning that week. Then they have behavioral lessons or training, um, counseling for lack of a better term. And then they have fun activities and food. We feed them each night. So that built this bridge with the city schools. When this happened, we called them, asked if they need anything since we'd be kind of limiting some other stuff. And so now every day, the city, we don't have to do anything, which is awesome. The city sends out some of their employees with hot cooked meals into go boxes. They set up at the Dream Center and students just drive by, get their hot meal, and go home. Wow. And That's so we're incredible. feeding county kids with the grab and go boxes, city kids through the city schools with that pickup location. And uh, it's been really cool to just kind of see how it, it kind of flows. That's cool. That's cool. So, uh, any tips for somebody that maybe doesn't already have kind of a dream center set up already, food pantries set up ahead of time already? Do you have any tips, maybe um, of ways that they might be able to try and um, maybe engage in some of these feeding programs, something like that, some tips that maybe they might be able to do? Yeah, so the way our dream center started, we just met with the city and the school said, what's the five problems that you have that you can't solve? And it came out to be, poverty, uh, the, the poverty, the, the education. And it wasn't, they said there's plenty of programs from young kids, plenty of programs for older kids. That middle school age at fifth and sixth grade is the make or break moment. So that's why we picked that. And then addiction recovery, which we're working on long-term. So I would, I would call my mayor, I'd call councilman, the school say, what are the problems right now that you have? Don't ask them what they need because they have so many needs, they'll just tell, they, they can't answer. But what is the three to four major problems you have that you can't solve and then build your strategy around whatever that may be. If that's food, it's food. If it's, you know, mask, it may be the hospital you call and ask them. Um, but don't try to create a solution. Just find out what the problem is, then build a solution around the problem. Yeah. And, and one thing I think, uh, I think I believe it was you that said on the call last week was um, offer, offer how you can help as opposed to just, Hey, if you need help, give me a call. But, yeah. but here's some ways that we can help. Here's some things that we, we can do. You know, like you said, what are the major problems? Man, here's some ways that we can help solve that, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. Um, so let's shift a little bit and talk about virtual teams. What are some things that you guys are doing um, to communicate within your own team there now that you are all virtual? Yeah, so we actually could still meet physically. So our, our staff meet on Monday morning. And so we've kind of been doing a bunch of stuff. But then out of that, they're all doing Zoom parties with their teams, um, trying to resource their teams. We're going old school with handwritten notes uh, to our, our key volunteers and leaders um, and really just going old school with that. And then because there's really not a whole lot to do. So we're really trying to train our people out of task towards people. So like first impressions, hey, right now you're not ushering, you're not greeting, but you can still connect with people. And we need you to call these 10 people and just love on them and just connect with them type thing. So that's really our major we're like people, 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 people right now. Um, and so that's kind of the way we're managing it. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I love that. You, you know, <laughs> you're not ushering right now, but you can write a couple notes, right? Yep. <laughs> that's yep. great. And, they're on, and they have time. Yeah, they do. So Bobby, as you look ahead, uh, I mean, we don't, we still don't know as the time of this recording, um, which is the middle of April, we still don't know 
uh, when this is going to end, when we're going to come back to, you know, quote unquote normal, right? But as you look ahead, what are some things that you're saying, man, I think this might be part of the new normal for us? Hmm. Yeah, so um, I believe this season is exposing a lot of things about the Capital C Church, but also like our church. And so we actually, like the second week after this, I said, look, we just need to spend some time and really reevaluate what is God showing us about ourselves right now? And so we whiteboarded it up, put on a whiteboard. What have we overemphasized on that's not important anymore? Well, Sunday morning, we, we put a lot of stock in Sunday morning. We didn't put enough stock in our digital connections. We put a lot of stock in creating volunteers. We didn't do a very good job of building leaders and making disciples. Man, we spent a lot of energy on, on welcoming guests and getting guests connected. We didn't do a very good job of new believers. And so we really like, trying to nail this thing down on what's going to carry over. And so one of the things I think is really going to carry over is um, maybe not a, a shift, but a new, new balance of churches that, hey, it can't just be about Sunday morning. It needs to be about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It can't just be about content. I think content used to be king. I think connection's king going forward. I think people realizing there's enough content out there. How can we connect better? And how can we use this to connect better? Um, because we even put it on our board. What, what are the things right now that people can't do on online church that they could do in a physical gathering? Because they can get preaching. They can get worship. They can get prayed for. Uh, they can get digital connect. They can do all the stuff that we're doing. What is missing? And it was things like culture. Like you can't, mm -hmm. you can't reproduce culture online. It was like uh, physical touch, laying on of hands, stuff, actual embracing and care. It was things that we do it normally, you know, we think about culture, but things that people need, the experience is going to trump the content kind of moving forward. And so we're really reevaluating our Sunday morning and how to make it more experience driven than just content driven, um, which should be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. And then we're reevaluating our entire group structure. So we realize our groups suck. Like, to be honest, they suck. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I, mean, I know there was some church, obviously before this whole COVID thing, but there was, uh, you know, kind of a, a move of some churches that were intentionally not doing online live streaming because they said, hey, if, if our people just can get it there, then they won't come, right? So like they intentionally were saying, hey, we want people to come to this live experience, mm -hmm. live encounter. Um, obviously now that's changed, right? But uh, I love what you're thinking there is what are those things that will separate us from, I mean, especially right now, I mean, it seems like people are church hopping, you know, church shopping a lot, right? And so people are kind of like, man, well, if I can get this live experience somewhere else, maybe I will. But what I love what you're saying is, no, 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 you, you can't get this live experience elements of this touch, this community. Um, and so that's why that's the draw to be here with us in person. I love, I love that. Yeah, I even told our team when this first started, like, because everyone just jumped on trying to produce content. How much content can we pump out there? And I said, look, let's, let's not overdo it. This may be a time for the, let the soil settle a little bit. And let's focus on engagement and pastoring. I said, because if it's content, I mean, to be honest, let's just all, you know, let Furtick preach, let Jake's preach, and let's just all step back and let everybody else do it because they're better than us. Yeah. Think, so it has to be more than just content. Um, and I think another thing's going to happen with that is that pastors, myself included, are going to have to look at other avenues as campuses. 
So we're trained to think the room is our main communication strategy. And so even our online stuff is geared towards, we're gonna duplicate this room online. And I think that you're gonna look at YouTube as one uh, campus, Facebook as another campus, your online church as another campus. I think it'll take different styles of communication to engage those different areas type thing. And I think that's gonna be the biggest change for, for communicators is really learn how to do that well. Okay, this might be too premature, but what are you <laughs> thinking? I, I mean, I, I just, I love that idea of thinking that Facebook is a campus and not just per, pumping out the same stuff and that YouTube is a campus. Man, that's, that's just, uh, that's, that's thinking ahead, man. So I don't know, do you have anything more than that that you're thinking through? What, what's, give me something there. No, I, I do know that uh, thinking through the content could be the same, but the style in which you present it will be different. So Facebook yeah. is a, we, you know, this Facebook is where for us, our older demographic, you know, our forties and up live on Facebook. It's also the place where people throw their opinions out. It's, it's, there's a, it's a weird interaction. Uh, YouTube, there's not as much in interaction, but you reach a whole nother world. It's, mm -hmm. if you, so if you think of YouTube as a search engine, which it is, that it's a place where people can find your content. So making it geared towards the, the seeker more than the interaction side of things. And then the online campus for us has been pretty much just our church people. So it's a place where our church people can land and we can pastor them through that. Um, and so trying to think through Instagram, we haven't, we haven't tried that world yet, but we know that's a younger uh, demographic, younger world. Um, so yeah, I think, and as a communicator, learning and training yourself that I'm communicating, not just to the people in this room, but all these different avenues and your email, your text messaging, learning how to communicate our giving. This may be our largest giving month ever, like ever. Wow. And so our team was like, well, how is that? And I said, I think we're actually communicating better on who we are and what we're doing because we're having to do it in multiple ways rather than just depending on Sunday morning. And I think that's going to be the same, translate that into the messaging, the sermon, communicating the same thing in different ways for greater impact, I think is going to be the key. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I wonder if it's like you're, uh, because you're communicating so different ways, it's like the percentage of people that are tithing is higher, you know, uh, yeah, it probably not, necess is. not necessarily like the per person necessarily, maybe the person that's, that's interesting. I love, I love that. That's encouraging <laughs> to hear, man. The time of hearing everything's going down. I love to hear that, uh, highest, highest month. Yeah, it's that's crazy, awesome. man. It's super crazy. I'll take it. Right. We haven't pushed it. We like, we haven't been driving it. We've just been communicating like, uh, our church isn't a big email church, but if I send out a, a MailChimp email with a thousand emails on it, we may get 200 open. Uh, but since this season, people are starting to open their email. And so I, I have not been very consistent in church-wide emails. Now, every Tuesday, I'm sending out an email. I love you guys. Here's what's going on. Here's how we're serving you. Here's what's coming up. And I think that and just some of our other, other strategies has, like we sent, um, we sent letters to everybody in our church, every giver. And just said, hey, praying for you. This is a difficult time. If you need us, feel free to reach out to us. We also encourage you to be faithful because we know God protects. He rebukes the devourer through your faithfulness. And we put in there an offering envelope and an already self-addressed stamped envelope as well. And that is like skyrocketed. Wow. I love it. I love it. All right. Last question here. In the midst of all this, uh, what's bringing you renewal in your, you know, <laughs> body, mind, soul, whatever, man, what's, what's some things that bring you renewal? 
Yeah, my, my body's not quite summer ready, but it is quarantine ready for sure. So um, uh, <laughs> not like I'm part of, we're part of the Radiant Network. Uh, so Lee Cummings at Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, where Corey Asbury is the worship, one of the worship leaders at. Uh, man, dude, they've been on, on top of it. So it's a, it's a brotherhood. So as soon as this happened, we did a monthly uh, Zoom call every month, always. Since this happened, we did a weekly just to check in. Hey, man, how's everybody doing? What do you need? Um, and that's just been good kind of having these type conversations of, hey, what is God saying through this season? How, what is going to move forward? How can we make a, make a difference in this season? And dude, that's been really good. Down moments, I called one of my buddies in the Radiant Network when this first happened. He's in New York. So they already started being impacted by it. And I said, and they actually closed their church. They had to close the church, close the offices, pack up and leave. And I said, man, how, how are you doing? He said, well, it's kind of like your family. When things are going bad, you tell them, hey, man, you know, everything's going to be all right. And he said, then you go and you cry in your closet. He said, I had that moment with the team where, man, hey, dude, we got this. We're going to da 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 He said, but then I have my, my moments where I'm, I'm down, which was good for me because I had felt very confident. But our last Sunday service, when I left, it felt like goodbye. It didn't feel like mm -hmm. I'll see you later. It felt like goodbye. And so I didn't know if that was like, you know, maybe this is like the end of church. I didn't know if it was, you know, the end of a season. And so having those guys that can kind of, kind of share those deep kind of fears and pains with has been really, really good for me. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Bobby, for much, so much for sharing with us uh, and just great insights, uh, great, great words of encouragement. And we're so thankful for it. So uh, any final thoughts for us? No, man, just push forward. Like leadership is made in crisis. Anybody can lead the ship when it's calm seas. It takes a leader to lead it through rough seas. And so just keep on and, and use the season as a time of a, not just trying to survive, but to thrive in the next season. Figure out what's going to be in the next season and take advantage of it. That's great. Well, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll have another episode for you here soon. Appreciate it, man.